0: Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about the jobs report and what the Fed should do based on that data. It's probably not what you think. We're ready to jump in, but first wanted to say thank you to our podcast sponsor, Truth. Logan, welcome back to the podcast on a very momentous week for housing, the Fed week, and then also jobs.
1: Yes, jobs day. You know, There are days where I have a lot of fun, and then there are days where it's just beautiful to watch the actual meltdown of people that have been calling for a recession for a long time and now are like, we need higher rates. You know, we have to destroy this. And today was one of those good ones where we just cherish people that have correct models versus a group of people that don't.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So we are recording this on Jobs Friday. Tell us, I know that that headline number beat expectations, right?
1: So the jobs number, uh, the headline beat revisions were positive, wage growth was stronger. There's a little bit of uh, quirkiness into this uh, jobs report that I think a lot of people do understand. I always say, let's not change anything on one or two bad reports, or let's not change anything on one or two good reports. That tends to happen and every year, the trend has been the same. But again, paper, rock, scissors, labor over inflation, right? And uh, we we talked about this in the last podcast. Why I'm not a Fed pivot person? Why I don't believe they've pivoted? Uh, the reason they're talking about rate cuts is because they're kind of, you know, they they thought you needed pain, right? See the see on this kind of jobs report, the first thing I'm doing if I was the Fed, I'm cutting rates right after. Nothing changes for me. We did not need to have restrictive policy to bring the growth rate of inflation down. We have one handles on three six-month PCE. We have two handles on GDP deflators, two quarters. All these things are here unless you really believe that you need the labor market to really soften up, to change. This is why I've stayed the course on the Fed hasn't pivoted, but uh, keep it in range where I thought the 10-year yield should be. So remember, that Gandalf line that I created at 3.37, right? This I can't break that until the labor market breaks. Uh, here, uh, for everybody that, if you really want to know, take a look at the ten-year yield chart. That 380 level we've talked about—it's now bounced off twice. So, getting between four and a quarter and 380 looks about right where claims data is. But I—I I, I would tell people, imagine if the Fed didn't like have a change of heart. You know, where the claims data and jobs that we could be at 5% again, you know, with 8% mortgage rates, you know, because they need to, like, we have to break the economy to bring down inflation. Nobody can do that anymore. See, the most beautiful thing I watched today on Twitter was people begging for higher rates because a group of people have nothing better to do than waste their lives on, you know, seeing housing crashes or people lose jobs. But here, it's such a great example that whenever we have real positive labor data like this, And now with the productivity numbers being good, you know, you don't need to even have the Fed funds rate or the 10-year yield here anymore. You can land the plane. And I think this is almost, if I was a Federal Reserve member, I'm like, what do I do now? You know, uh, I haven't pivoted really. All I've done is basically say, we don't want to be really restrictive. So let's talk about the really restrictive policy. That 10-year yield goes north of four and a quarter now. They're really restrictive. That's where I the growth rate of inflation falling is so key. But now it's like, you, dude, you said pain. You said the labor market has to break. You said we can't have wage inflation. We we need to have wage inflation back to pre-COVID levels. No, you don't. You don't need to do that, right? And I think that's the next discussion. If productivity data really picks up and we have what we call structural layoffs right now, it's not because demand is bad for a lot of companies are laying off people just to uh, fix their profit margins because they can't really raise prices like they did uh, during COVID. So it, it, it gets so interesting and dynamic, but we, we keep everything simple. Labor over inflation, claims data over everything else. It explains why the 10-year yield is above 4% still, why the Fed funds rate is above 5%, even with three, six month PCE being under 2%.
0: So let's dig into this a little bit, but because to me, that's a little counterintuitive, or at least from what I'm hearing, right, from other economists, people out there, it's like, be, based on this jobs report, they definitely are not going, you know, this is going to stall any rate cuts. You know, we should have, uh, you know, the Fed should look at like, maybe they did the wrong thing, or, you know, maybe it's too early to cut. So dig in on that.
1: If you're old and slow, Yes. If you are old and slow, yes. If you are working off of old models, yeah, you 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 have to destroy the economy. I I I, I listen. I understand the elderly economists out there. <laughs> I get it. You were brought up with textbooks that don't map, that don't mean anything right now, right? It was a global pandemic, so you overplayed the global pandemic inflation, and now you are stuck. Let's remember, we had what? What was it, Sarah? One hundred percent of economists. Forward in a recession in 2023. That that was all everyone was all in. Okay. So the residential side of the housing market didn't break. So their models actually failed right in front of them. Sarah, if it was up to me, I'd have every single one, every single one on a live debate right now. And I just I want to understand how do we re-accelerate inflation without a global pandemic? Because we had low mortgage rates. In the last decade, we had the Fed balance sheets expand up, right? We have M2 falling right now, but, you know, where are we going to reaccelerate? We're not really. We just don't have that kind of economy. You could have supply issues happen again, right? The, The Red Sea is a good example. You know, cost of shipping has gone up because of that. But we're talking about the U.S. economy that had low interest rates, that had balance sheet expansion for the Fed and couldn't create 2% inflation or stay above it if their life depended on it. But now, here it is again. Think about, we have just literally destroyed five decades of economic thinking in the last 15 years. And this is a really good example. If I took every single economist and said that we would be pushing 350K plus jobs, 4.5% wage growth, and the growth rate of inflation would be under 2% on three to six months, a lot of them be go, no, there's no way. You have to hit the labor market. You don't. This is why literally I would cut rates right after this report. I'm not changing my model because I've stayed consistent. But now we're talking about a Fed that is different, right? This is why I'm not a Fed pivot person. I've, everything is on. The Fed won't pivot until the labor market gets softer. Pivot means either two things. Either jobless claims break and forces them, or we start talking about we want to get to neutral. Neutral is about 2% rate cuts. They're not talking about that. You'll get three. That's what the bond market, even today, the, the two-year yield is still talking about th- uh, three rate cuts. But think about how if someone changed their mind off of one report, you should not be an economist. You should not be talking about the economy. You should always talk about the aggregate trend. And the trend is what matters the most. The job growth rate is slowing, right? The, you know, the job openings data is this quit percentages below pre-COVID. The trend is there. There's no need to have rates this high because we were told we have to hit the labor market because there's no way to bring the growth rate inflation up. Not the case. Everyone messed up here, right? So the question is, how do we get to this next stage? How do we operate on this next stage? And I'm just very hesitant on believing the Fed will do the right thing uh, because they're telling us they won't. They're going to kick and scream until uh, uh, we try to get somewhere down to neutral,
0: So one of the things that I thought was interesting that came out of the um, you know, Fed day and, and his comments was, he refused to say it was a soft landing. He didn't want to say that we've had a soft landing. So what does he think this is? And by he, I mean Jerome Powell.
1: Yeah, I, I think people should remember, number one, the one thing they didn't talk about is the banking system is sound. They didn't bring that up this time. And of course, the, we had that New York bank uh, uh, issue, commercial lending is in trouble. We all know that We're, there's going to be a lot of losses being taken on the books. The apartment boom is over, right? There's some, uh, some of the labor markets are, are showing stress, you know, California's un- un- unemployment, rate. you know, if, if Calip- California's unemployment uh, rate, or if their data line matched the national data lines boy, the 10 year yield would be testing that Gand offline, but it, it hasn't. So there are, there are, there are items out there to be mindful of. I just, I don't believe the Fed knows what they really want to do at this point. This is why they're kind of hesitant on this. I believe that they know that when the 10-year-old got above four and a quarter, got to 5%, it was very restrictive, right? So just going off of their own model, they are still very restrictive. People keep on saying they pivoted. No, that's not a pivot. A pivot is, you know, we're changing the entire course to either go neutral or accommodative. They're not doing that. They're still very restrictive, So. It becomes so much more of a cat and mouse game for the rest of this year. The job growth will slow down back to trend. Uh, for those that don't know or don't, haven't followed us during COVID, COVID-19 recovery model, April 7th, 2020. We're going to recover in 2020. It retired on December 9th, 2020. Okay, so then we go to the labor side. Labor side, we'll get all the jobs lost to COVID September 20th. Okay, job openings, 10 million. We All check. Okay, then it's the bigger one at this stage job growth is going to slow. Once we get to 157, 159 million, we're here. That job growth is going to slow. That doesn't mean it's breaking, breaking is claims. So we're here after everything and the growth rate of inflation fell. So there's something else keeping the Fed from pivoting. It's the labor data, right? Because they are brought up to say that wage growth is bad. A tight labor market is bad. Prices can accelerate, did not happen in the 21st century until COVID came. So they don't change their spots you know, that quickly. So until I actually see pivoting comments, no, not a pivot person, not going to be a pivot person uh, uh, until, until they change. So I think hopefully now people can understand why I've always said, let's focus on the labor data because the inflation data is going to cool down and they're not going to really budge on this until the labor data gets weaker.
0: So um, I do think that, you know, COVID-19 is key to everything that's going on today. And in one way you go, well, of course everybody knows that and everybody's factoring that in, but it does seem to be the missing thing that, that the Fed never got is that all those jobs and, and then the inflation coming back, like the, your what you say is like that's true of any global pandemic or any sort of like that giant disaster you're going to have an inflationary period afterwards and then it can come back down almost of its own accord like you don't have to do that much to to slow the inflation down is that is that what you're saying uh, uh,
1: if it was if it was me sticking back to all the way to 2022 i uh, the last one and a half percent rate hikes i wouldn't have done right i'm, I'm just staying consistent and and i'm I promise you, the data would have been exactly the same today. So I'm I'm that much restrictive policy right now because the COVID. I mean, I mean, I cannot I cannot harp on this any more than what I'm doing today, Sarah. Literally, the data has outperformed the Fed, and literally, the inflation data got lower than what the Fed was looking for. You cannot have a crossfire miss like that and to think that we're listening to this group. So they're going to go kicking and screaming. I just don't want it to be where, okay, jobless claims is breaking over 323,000. Now we'll cut, right? You want to get ahead of the curve because cutting three times is nothing. You're still restricted possibly. If they said, okay, we're going to cut one and a half percent or get back you know, to somewhere neutral, that's different. That I would say they pivoted. They're looking to for a soft lane, but here it's just not the case. I think that's the frustration from people. That they see this growth rate of inflation fall, and they don't see the ten-year yield falling. They don't see the Fed funds coming down, and it's just this is how the Fed operates. That's why I, I try to get people to just follow me on. They haven't pivoted stance, and then it starts. Some of the data line starts to make sense with the bond market and the Fed funds rate.
0: So you and I have talked about the fact that you know what will what will get the Fed to change their mind, and one of the things we saw this week is what you and I have talked about that we've seen over time, how sometimes, you know, issues, economic issues, once they hit Main Street hard enough, it bubbles back up to like Congress or, you know, I mean, because you you can't really touch the Fed. It's not like I as a citizen can do anything to the Fed, but it can definitely uh, get to Congress. And I feel like we saw some of that this week, right? We had Elizabeth Warren uh, telling the Fed what to do. We've had some action by congressmen um, to try to help housing
1: you know, it's, it's the housing dilemma that we're always here because I think uh, uh, Jerome Powell did talk about this. You know, people say, well, wh- what about home prices? And the Fed said, hey, that's not our mandate. And, I, and I, I, I wish if Jerome Powell could go back and when he talked about a housing reset, people thought that he meant prices have to get back down to 2020. And everyone is right to hold him to that because then he said housing was in a bubble. Once you use the housing bubble term, you're a bubble boy. Right. So the irony is that Jerome Powell joined his greatest critics and everyone said, well, prices have to come down. So it's incorrect for him to say it's not our responsibility. You're the one who said it. You said housing reset, housing bubble. Bubble means inventory skyrockets. Prices go back to the start of the bubble. There it is. 2020 home prices. So here, what do you do in this situation? Because if mortgage rates fell, demand picks up. If mortgage rates fall with inventory this low, this means prices stay firm and rise. What what's the solution? Nobody's going to be happy, but you've got now the third calendar year of the great recession, lows in demand. Venture, listen, people have to they have to date, they have to have sex, they have to have kids, they buy homes. This is what we do in this country. Do, you, do we are we going into the fourth year next year of sitting here saying, well, you know, the labor market is and it it eventually. It gets, it gets to Congress because what's what's occurring is that a lot of people are complaining that mortgage rates are high. so And Congress really can't do anything about that. So you could jawbone the Fed all you want, um, but the economy has stayed firm enough to keep the 10-year yield up. And this is why we do those 10-year yield channels every single year. We want to talk about this every single day so we can understand what's going on. Because if you don't fall, if, if, there's very few economists or data people that just do this on a daily basis and try to make sense of it all. I don't think it's it's fun for people to to try to get into the ten year yield mortgage rate story, but here, I, you know, if you look at the claims data, it makes sense. I mean, I, I always tell people, boy, if the Fed didn't kind of say restrictive policy, boy, the ten year yield could be five percent today, four point seven five, near eight percent mortgage rates, right? So it is good that the growth rate of inflation fall because they can't really, they can't say we need a job loss, we need more pain, so. I know it's frustrating, but considering where the claims data is at, the 10-year yield looks looks about right because the Fed has not pivoted.
0: The Fed has not pivoted. And from your perspective, they are not going to pivot. You've said this for a couple of years until we get jobless claims above 323,000.
1: I hope I am wrong. I am hope I am wrong on this. I hope they just come to the conclusion that productivity is picking up. We don't need... We don't need, you know, wage growth to get exactly to 3% because once jobless claims break, it's already too late, right? So um, I'm hoping throughout the year they change their tune. Um, and again, I'm still sticking to the three rate cuts, you know, like the two-year yield is pricing in. I I think today was another bad day for the recession, home price crash crowd, the Russian trolls, zero hedge or zero brain dead readers, and uh, the the men on Twitter who are just screaming for more rate hikes because they want major deflation. They want people to lose their jobs and everything because you have to realize, Sarah, these guys have been here after 1913 and it, the pain of living is just too much to live in America where there's a Federal Reserve and there's a government and all this. It's just too much. And this is why you constantly get these angry men online on days like this. It was beautiful. I snapshotted everything. Oh, I have such a huge collection of angry men, angry libertarian men, <laughs> angry Russian <laughs> trolls who are just constantly, just like throughout the years, it was the same thing. So um, in this case, we are, the 10-year yield is kind of right. And as long as jobless claims are low enough, jobless claims are picking up. So if I'm wrong, if jobless claims are at 280,000 and the 10-year yield is still at 4%, okay, so I that that would have been incorrect on my part, but the jobless claims data is slowly rising from very low levels. So claims over inflation for now, when the fed pivots and finally says we will go to a neutral stance, uh, because, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we, we really aggressively defend our dual mandate, but right now they're just, okay, I, can't, I we can't be restrictive anymore because the growth rate of inflation fall. That's not pivoting. That's just like fixing up some of the mistakes of, uh, needing uh, the labor market to break. So it's going to be an interesting year, Sarah. I can't, I, I I love the fact that this is year 2024. I love the fact that the Niners are playing the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and uh, it's, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun going out for the rest of the year.
0: That just shows what kind of year this is going to be, right? It's the Niners versus the Chiefs, you versus me. Um, you know, it, it's fitting,
1: fitting, isn't it? It's twi- yeah. Fitting is 2024. <laughs> Right? This is it. This was supposed to be
0: it for me, you know? I I know. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at lq.com. Okay, I wanted to ask you about some of those. You know, you call them variables. So last year we saw some of these variables. You know, obviously when we had the um, when we had the bank crisis, that really changed things for mortgage rates and you know uh, uh, the Fed stance. So you, you touched on the fact that we have a commercial bank potential problem, and then I also saw on the other side. Um, you know the fact that we're producing more more oil than the oil producing com- countries we would normally think of, right Saudi Arabia and others, like talk a little bit about what those variables the, that are bigger than housing and how they might influence things.
1: So right now a lot of people are waiting for a credit event. and what they mean by a credit event is that they, they look at it as the Fed raises rates high enough, fast enough or, or to a level that breaks something and the credit market breaks and jobs are lost because we're not functioning well. This is where the Freddie and Fannie being in conservatorship is a really big thing. So that that's on the housing aspect. People are looking at credit getting tighter on the commercial and as more losses are coming in. So I think one of the confusing things that I've had to explain to people, imagine if you're a company and you have 500 million in debt, but you've already locked in the rates on that at like 2%. But all of a sudden, the Fed funds rate goes up, so you don't have to borrow anything or you don't have to refinance anything, but the cash you have on your books, (laughs) you're collecting more money on this. So in some cases, some businesses are are in a better spot. When eventually you have to start having debt due uh, or or refinancing, there's where you're you're going to see the credit markets deteriorate for some of the commercial loans. And remember, everyone knows this problem is coming. So I'm hoping that there's something in the background being done. But if, if that continues, more losses on the book, less lending for the banks, uh, uh, more banks are probably going to go under. You're going to have to merge them up. I, I truly believe this. I think the Fed feels confident after what they did in COVID that they can do anything to kind of solve any crisis. This is why they're kind of like, hey, listen, if we really wanted to pull out the bazookas and nuclear weapons, hell, we could even bring King Kong and Godzilla out. We can do whatever we want because COVID-19 showed us that we can uh, uh, impact this. So I think that's that's in the background of that. That variable will eventually play, but they believe they can handle that. So we haven't had a credit issue. Now, remember in 2022, we had a lot of drama, right? The dollar was getting so strong that London was going to lose its pension funds and the Bank of Japan is the IMF. There's all these things. We don't have that marketplace now. We have, oddly enough, the layoffs that are being announced are more on a restructuring basis, not a demand is is deteriorating faster. So we just got to take it one day at a time. We always have to be careful and be mindful of what are the things that could come out of nowhere and impact everything. And uh, uh, so far, we've been able to hold everything at bay and uh, push it through. So again, the only sector that we have where demand is at great recession lows is the housing market because mortgage rates are high. So, and I don't, I'm not even asking for much. A 10-year yield between 3.37 and 3.80, staying in line with my forecast and better spreads, that's as thats as good as I can can look at it. That'll be perfectly fine for this year in that sense. So uh, I have a different take, of course, on lower mortgage rates than other people, but that's, that's how I look at it. And again, every time I see Labor data outperform. I just think to myself, you can cut rates, and look, you didn't have to do a lot of the things, and we didn't. We don't need a job loss recession to do this.
0: I love that. Well, Logan, thank you so much for um, bringing it all today, giving us the insight that we need because we had such a big week. So I, I, I really appreciate. It. And I want to remind our listeners. You can see Logan live at the gathering in April. We're going to be in Scottsdale. You have a keynote speech. You and I are going to be on stage together doing this podcast live again. Um, we will not be having a debate, as far as I know. So, um, so that'll be fun. It'll be you know less uh, less. Sarah,
1: you learned your lesson.
0: No, you never learned happened. your lesson.
1: There's no debate.
0: No, that is not the takeaway from the. Could fact you imagine?
1: That- could you imagine if the Niners beat? If the Niners beat the Chiefs and you lost the mortgage rate lockdown, <laughs> you know, are you are you sure you listen, want to go on stage with me?
0: Listen, now so. you're making me want to just come up with a debate just so that you know that I am not intimidated by you, Logan Matushami. We we can get up there and debate stuff. Now, you know, on the economic side, you you have you have more ammo.
1: The brave are always the first to die, Sarah. It's I, I admire that so much.
0: You keep saying that. All right. But um, we also have a ton of other amazing speakers lined up. We are running out of hotel rooms. We are um, having a huge response. So I would just tell people, sign up, get your hotel room, meet us there.
1: Yeah. And I just want to let everyone know. Mike Simonson and myself, we think we're the best. We don't think. We know we're the best housing people out there. And we are ready to take on any single human being or entity on planet Earth, day in, day out, 24-7. So if you really, really want to know, because hopefully by now, after everything we've been through, Mike has so much on the inventory side that is excellent work. I bring the economic side into this. You put those two together. You tell me a better t- tandem out there in America, okay? And we, we can go with this all the time, but this is why I always believe you have to challenge people and get people. So you want the gladiator mentality. You got to win in front of a crowd, right? And uh, um, if you really want to know all the intricacies of what's going on, because it is after 2020, like housing was so boring in the previous decade. It was just, there's not much going on really. But here there's so much violence. We we're try- Our job is to try to make sense of everything and be ahead of the curve, right? So if you want to be ahead of the curve, at a live event where we really give the uh, uh, details, there it is, right?
0: Yes, Mike is um, the president founder of Altos Research, which is what Logan uses. The amazing um, weekly data we have on so many, uh, you know, things for for housing that nobody else has, and he will be speaking. Um, he and Logan will be speaking. It'll be amazing.
1: I know the best part about last year for me was like taking the data and like incorporating it through all my models see w- once you get a brand new data line set you have to use it and back test it because it's new so you get better over time of looking at things and it you know usually does take a year to to kind of fool it through oh it is priceless i am just i am so gung-ho for the next 10 years on this i just cannot wait it's gonna be so exciting
0: that is exciting and to your point you know we never had a lead analyst until 2020 because you know, we didn't need one. I mean, to your point, like housing economics just didn't change that much. Not like we've seen the last three years, last four years now.
1: Yes. I'm an agent of chaos, right?
0: Okay. Well, you have a great weekend getting ready for the big game, uh, not this weekend, but next. And uh, we'll have you on again soon.
1: Good. And and after the 49ers beat the Chiefs, I'm going to come out, you know, on stage with the Taylor Swift song and start dancing (laughs) to that just to remind you.
0: Okay, well, when the Chiefs meet the Niners, um, I will have I will be prepared. Let's just say that. So thanks, Logan. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our sponsor, Truth. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insights.